Hey, did you know that a former child prodigy who once played Carnegie Hall also opened the first and only black and women owned insurance firm on Wall Street in New York? Hear about this story and more in the new book, Black Pioneers of the American Insurance Industry, available now on Amazon. Welcome to You Should Get a License, the number one source for anyone looking to learn about or join the most underrated opportunity in business today, a career in the insurance industry. Get educated, motivated, and inspired for your journey as you learn both how and why you should get a license. Welcome back. Welcome back once again to your number one source for information, education, and inspiration. You should get a license. This is the podcast. My name is Rod Powell, author, entrepreneur, and advocate for this amazing industry because the most underrated career opportunity is a career in the insurance and financial services industry. And today I'm really excited about who I have the opportunity to speak with. Also ironic because she doesn't have a license. <laughs> but but the objective of this platform is to share the expansive you know, career paths that you can take and the type of success that you can have inside of this industry. And I am so excited for her to be here. I call her the selfie queen of the insurance industry. <laughs> Look, if you don't have a selfie with her and you work in this industry, you're just whack. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, you need to step your game up, okay? Welcome to the You Should Get a License podcast, Miss Orlando Audenier. Orlando, welcome. Thank you, Rod. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for being here. Hey, look, you, you have an amazing story. Um, we met about a year ago um, at the NIA conference, National African American Insurance Association conference. And uh, actually coming up, you know, shortly after this interview, so I'll see you next time. But like from the, the time we met, it's like your, your energy, um, everything that, that you, you, you speak to your advocacy in this industry, your advocacy for young people and bringing them into the space, uh, just positive, bubbly and, and like learning more about you. Like, just, I, I understand like where that's coming from. You know, I think it's just amazing. W what I want to do is I want to kind of just take a minute because this platform is for people who might be either already existing existing in this space, like working in this space, but also who might be thinking about career transitions as well and say, hey, you know, maybe this is an industry that I might want to look into. And since you're not specifically licensed, but you you have a, a really important role in this business. So I would love to know more about like what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, the role you play in this industry to help it run for our listeners out here. No, I appreciate it. And first of all, you're giving me too much credit, right? I think energy attracts energy, right? So your energy when I met you a year ago was so positive that we attracted to each other from an energy perspective, right? And we yeah. encourage each other when we see each other at different conferences. So I appreciate you even having a podcast like this. So individuals like myself or those looking to get into this industry um, have an opportunity to speak or hear individuals that are already here and some of the paths that we took to get here. So I appreciate that. You know, we we appreciate you. So I just want you to know that you're a pioneer as well. So thank I appreciate you. That. 
So from myself, my day job, um, I am a vice president at Sun Life Financial Services here in the U.S. I'm excited to be a part of this organization. I have about a little over 700 individuals within my organization. We handle group benefits and voluntary claims uh, within that ranges from everything from life insurance, um, life insurance policy, short-term disability, family medical leave, accommodations. Um, we have a call center that I have under my organization, some product things as well when it comes to like a product, product managers um, under my organization. So I have a vast array of things um, under my organization. Um, I actually started off in the industry entry level um, as a claims examiner myself. So for those of you that think that, hey, if I start off entry level, I won't get anywhere, you can definitely get somewhere. So I went from frontline claims manager processing claims um, a couple of years later. Um, well, within nine months, I got promoted to a senior um, claims manager. And then from there, I went to um, become a manager, a team leader, then a manager, then a director, a senior director, <laughs> yeah. uh, AVP, RVP. I feel like I've done a gamut of everything. So I always tell my staff, I understand where you're coming from because I have literally sat in your seat, right? So if you're having a bad day, you're having a tough call, I know what that feels like. I can be more empathetic towards that because I understand. But having a job in disability or um, group insurance is important because we work with agents, right? We work with brokers. We work with customers. It's important for us to have a sense of how do we service the clients that you're bringing to us? How do we service the policies that you're out there selling? You want to make sure they're handed, they're in good hands and you know that your customers are being taken care of. So I think that's one of the most important things that we do is bring that sense of customer service to your clients. Um, for those of you that have a license, there's other people behind the scenes working through those clients after that sale is done, we take it from there. I, absolutely. And and I think what's going to be really great about this conversation is we can talk about, you, you mentioned that behind the scenes, talking about the opportunities that exist behind the scenes, because many times when people are thinking about working inside of the insurance industry, financial services, they think about it from a client facing perspective. You know, they're looking at, okay, am I, am I going to go sit at somebody's kitchen table? Right. You know, it, it, even on the worksite side, which is where I came into the business, I came in on the worksite and, and voluntary benefit side, you know, hey, I'm going into a school or I'm going into a, a, a prison sometimes with doors clanking, you know, and it doesn't have to, yeah. <laughs> to be that side of, of the house. And uh, for you to to start at, at an entry point, and, and we're going to talk about your whole career because you, you've been in the, the industry for about 20 years now, right? Yeah, like, close to 20 years, a, yeah. You're experienced, you know, and, and, and kind of started at the start, you know, uh, started at the bottom that we hear, so to speak, you know, entry level to, to an executive, you know, in the space. Um, tell me, here's, first of all, I got to say this, because I, I, I know you're Haitian, right? I am. I so so I got to give the, the proper respect and give, give you a sac passe. Sac passe, not boule. All right. Gotta, I got to I gotta give that, like, my guy, you know, Evans and Gigi. Yes, yes. From uh, One Way, you know, whenever I talk to Evans, I was like, I got to give you your proper greeting, my friend. You, you have know? to. You have That's to. Right. So, so here's what I want you to do uh, for me, Orlando. Uh, I want to I wanna go way back, right? I want to I wanna go all the way back to when you were growing up. Um, Bahamas initially, right? Yep. I was born okay. in the Bahamas. Nine years old, 10 years old. Then you, you actually came to the States, I think, by that time. About three. 
at three. About three, okay. Yeah. So, so, so we can even go back then, but let's we can start at three and kind of, kind of bridge up. But what I really want to know is, what were you dreaming of being when you became an adult at that time? Like when, when, when you were a little girl. I mean, you, you might, you probably weren't thinking, hey, you know, I'm going to be an insurance industry executive. What, yeah. what were you dreaming of back then? So truthfully, I used to watch Madlock every single day after school. I would run home at three o'clock, put Madlock on because I wanted to be a lawyer. My my dream was to be a lawyer. I actually, me and my best friend, we're still friends till today. Um, we went to magnet school in high school to become lawyers. We That was our goal. That was our dream. And then it just didn't work out for us. First of all, they picked you up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm not a morning person. So that that ended that dream quickly. But I then started going towards the business route. I started really liking the business classes that I was taking in high school. Um, I liked typing. I liked just the challenge of typing faster than someone else. And, you know, I, I, I like debating different things. So the business route was more up my speed. But actually growing up, law was my place. And that's where I wanted to be. I never thought about being in healthcare, but I got to a point in my career where I was talking to my sisters. I have several sisters in the healthcare field. One's a pharmacist, I have another one that's a nurse, another one's a respiratory therapist. And I said, I want something, but I don't like touching people, right? I don't want to see blood and I don't want to touch anyone, but I know healthcare is where it's going to be. Healthcare is the future. You, a funeral homes and healthcare, people are always going to get sick and people are always going to die. So those are the two places. So they're like, have you ever thought about becoming a claims adjuster? Um, and that's how the story started. And I met someone at church that was working at the first company that I worked at. And she was saying how much she loved her job. She feels impactful every single day. She's making a difference in lives of people, even though she's not touching them. And she feels like she's really, you know, making a difference in this world. So I was like, well, I want a piece of that joy. And yeah. that's what kind of got me into it. But yeah, growing up, law was the thing that I wanted to do. Never expected in a million years to be in insurance, but here I am. Right. You know, I, I tell you, it, it's such a it's such a familiar story to not think of. That's why I asked that question, because you're not thinking that, yeah, I'm going to end up in this industry. But what I find is, you know, the experiences that we have uh, throughout the course of our lives from childhood all the way up, you know, tend to lend towards strengths that we find, you know, mm -hmm. when we start working in working in this in this field um, and in this space. So so take me through. So 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 law was the initial path, right? This is this is high school. This, yeah. this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Take, take me on your journey. So like, okay, you you, you finish high school, you, you go to college. And, and you know what? Hold on. Let's go back here because you, 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 when you came to this country, that was a, that was the whole thing in and of itself. Oh yeah. And if I about that. Yeah. So, um, back then, um, my mom was living in the Bahamas. She had migrated from Haiti to the Bahamas. She ended up having us in the Bahamas. My dad had made it to America. He was working on a cruise ship and he was able to come to America. Mm -hmm. um, so he sent for us, but I'm like, okay, we're getting on the plane, right? He sent for us to come to America. No, we got on a boat. So the same boats that you see that the, you see the immigrants coming to America on, that was my journey, right? And I think at a very young age, there's certain things that you remember. Like I remember my green shorts being thrown in the water because the, the boat was full and it was too heavy and they had to throw all the clothes overboard. I could just, it's weird that you have these vivid memories of some green shorts, like just floating away in the ocean. Um, so I think that was my first journey. And then coming here, um, three years old, I spoke English because my parents mainly had us speaking English. However, we were still immigrants. Our hair didn't look the same. My mom used to 
braid these big old doo-doo braids in my hair and um, they would put different colors on us. We had all different color bowls and different things there. We didn't have the most um, fashionable clothes. So we got picked on quite a bit um, in elementary school. Um, and I had bullies, but I was a talker, right? So I would, I would talk my way out of getting bullied, if that makes sense. So I would just tell my bully that, hey, I have an auntie that's a seamstress and I'm going to build you a beautiful dress by the end of school year. So if you leave me alone till the end of school year, I'll give you that dress on the last day. Dress never came. I never made it to the last day of school. <laughs> <laughs> but once I got to middle school, my bully had moved on to a different school. I went to a different school, but it was in that moment I found my power, right? I decided at that moment in sixth grade that I was never going to allow anyone to feel the way I felt in sixth grade or um, in elementary school. I'm going to be that person. If you're by, if you're sitting by yourself, I'm going to sit with you. If you are in the band, I'm going to sit with you. If you are in the cheerleading team, I'm going to sit with you. If you're a sports person, I'm going to sit with you. If you love computers, I'm going to sit with you. I'm never going to let anyone be by themselves and I'm going to break the silos. So I started breaking silos from that young age um, when I realized that's how you break bullying. If you, If someone's by themselves and they don't have a network, it's easier for a bully to pick on them. But if they know you have other people there with you, it's not as simple. And I think even thinking about my career and the empathy that I have for this particular or, uh, role that I'm in or the empathy that I had throughout my life, I think some of that um, aids to that, right? Because you want to make sure people are successful. You want to help the young people along and help them come along. I think some of those early experiences that I had um, is aiding to that part of my life as well. So um, that's kind of my little backstory there of how I think I gained my strength um, of really stepping up and being a vocal person. And then from there, people started appreciating it. You know, I started getting voted on for different things. I was speaker of my class. They thought I was, a, you know, able to help others. And so I spoke at graduation. I, I was prom queen. You know, there was all kinds of accolades that I felt that I got in high school, but I was always working. Mm. So I was very active in high school and people were like, well, how were you so active but yet you were working almost a full-time job from the time you were like 12. So my parents used to clean apartments and um, offices. We used to have to go take all the kids. I'm one of eight. Um, we got to go clean too. So um, I started working at that age. By the time I was 16, I was working in a pharmacy. I was a pharmacy tech. By the time I was 18, I was working at a mortgage company. So I felt by the time I got to 20, I had already done the fast food. I've done the McDonald's. I've done the Walgreens. I was ready for corporate America. So I had my sights set on corporate America um, by the time I got to 20. So that kind of started my professional journey when it comes to that point. You were already networking in, in middle school. <laughs> You know, so. <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but that's exactly what it was. I didn't realize at the time that's what I was doing. I was really just trying to make the world a better place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so let's, let's, let's go back to that perfect, perfect segue, you know, by the way, kind of, you know, leading us through that, that working career and, 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 and developing that, that work ethic, you know, as a young person, very, very important, obviously still serving you well to this day. Um, so coming out of high school, what did, what was your route? Did you say, Hey, I, I'm going to go, I know I'm going to go to college and I'm going to take this path. Like, tell me, tell, tell me about, tell me about that journey and, and how you started to really begin your professional career from that point. 
Yeah. So I, I, I must say, I felt like, um, so 18, you know, I told you working at a mortgage company uh, and going to a local community college here. Then I decided to go to a college that focused primarily on business because I, I was just trying to get in and out. I was just trying to get right. in and out. So <laughs> like, I didn't do the traditional. Okay, yeah. yeah. My mom has eight kids. I'm number six of eight. So, you know, the funds are all dried up. There's no college money. Right. So you got to figure it out how you figure it out. So uh, that's what I did. So I was always working and also um, at the same time, um, you know, working as a office manager at a doctor's office, a chiropractor office. I then was taking night classes on the weekends. I, the days I had off from class, I was a pharmacy tech. And then on the weekends, I was working at the big and tall store. Um, but, 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 but I also had a goal, right? I wanted my education, but I wanted my independence at the same time. I was determined to buy a house by the time I was 25. So I did those three jobs and by 25, I closed on my house in October. <laughs> I, it, it's been, I won't age myself, but let's just say I still have that property and I have tenants in it and it's doing very well by me right now. There you so, go. There, there you go. There you go. Starting <laughs> off early, starting off, yeah. off the right way, you know? So look, um, t tell me, so, so at this point, I'm just trying to figure out when you were sleeping because that's- no. <laughs> So, so this, so this point, so then I started, so then I started in the, the, the insurance field, right? Okay. I started as a case manager. Um, I started at a company um, called Broadspire. Uh, Broadspire then was purchased by Aetna. Aetna was then purchased by the Hartford. So mm -hmm. I had multiple um, transitions um, in companies being sold, which also meant systems change. So that not knowing is preparing me for my future, right? Because changes, systematic, a lot of individuals are changing systems, getting new um, computer systems, change management aspect in those type of roles as well. But while I was at Broadspire, I was working full-time in the day, and then I started going to school at night. They had the, um, they, 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 they provided, they provided assistance, right? So if you go on most company website, you will find that there's different schools out there that they provide assistance for. So I end up going to school at night, taking um, college classes at night while I was working in the daytime. So um, I did that, got my bachelor's degree. And then shortly after I just continued and got my master's degree um, from that point forward, all while working a full-time day job. There you go. Hey, listen, just in case you didn't hear her, she said, oh, wow, working a full-time day job. Listen, if you really want something, there is, there's no excuse, you know, not to make it happen, yeah. you know, and, and you, you certainly have, have proven that um, just in, just in that little bit of your story right there. So you said that you had found out about the industry and I always think it's industry, interesting how people actually find their way into the business. So you find out the, about the industry from a friend who was at church, who who had happened to be working at an insurance company. Did you did, did you know that it was an insurance company? Because sometimes people work for insurance companies don't even know they're working for an insurance company. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm very inquisitive, right? So I asked a bunch of questions. But what, first of all, when you hear someone saying how much they love their job, it perks up your ears, right? I want to hear more like you love your job. At the time, I was working at... Um, a staffing agency as an HR um, rep with the staffing agency. And I felt like it was a smaller company and I wanted big, I wanted more. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to work in a bigger organization. So um, I heard her talking about, you know, this job and she was saying how impactful it was and how much she loved her job. And truth be told, when I first started, I almost quit within the first three months. 
It was difficult. It was very difficult, right? So think about it. You're in a new industry. Um, you now have claimants that you have to talk to. You have to deny people. Sometimes they don't have a, a oh, sufficient yeah. medical information and you have to deny their claims or their doctor's office didn't provide the things or you know, they may have ex exclusions on their policies that they may not qualify based on those exclusions. So think about it. You're in your early you know, 20s and you're now never had to do this before and you're denying people and you had to write denial letters you had to write approval letters back then we had paper files we didn't have all this electronic here you literally got a folder and you would open the folder write your case notes in there and you know provide um yeah going way back um provide case notes and you know have those conversations and i must say even though they taught me and i went to training putting the practical sense to the job was hard for me, right? And I felt like I I think I I also really try to be an overachiever sometimes. Um, that I try to make I want to do well, right? So I think I was beating myself up. So I remember someone that sat next to me, she said, um, I asked her a question and I didn't agree with her answer, how she wanted me to move forward with the file. So at that time, our supervisor sat behind us, like at the end of the row. So I went to the end of the row. I was like, hey, I want your opinion on this. I go back to my desk and she goes, you brown noser. Um, why'd you go ask her after I told you what to do? I'm a two and you're a one. A claims manager one versus a claims manager two. Back then they had like level one, two, and three. And I said, wow, first of all, I'm Haitian. For some reason, I never heard the term brown nose before so I had to go ask my other friend I was like what does that mean some such and such that I'm a brown nose or what exactly does that mean <laughs> she explained it to me and then I told her I said it's still just so frustrating and you know what she did she came on her lunch break for a whole week and she sat next to me and she said wow. you're going to get this and I'm going to help you get this I'm going to make sure that you understand this and one of the things I took away from her taking the time she didn't have to but she did she invested in me Right. So I think in turn, I want to invest in other people because she took the time to invest in me. And part of that, what it taught me also is just because someone has been in a career longer than you, it doesn't mean that you can't make impact. It doesn't mean that you can't come in and have a different perspective on the way things have always been done. Because that individual that told me that, she's probably still a two and I'm now a VP. There, there you go. There, there you go. So, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate though, right? But sometimes that's what you run into, right? But I also learned that I couldn't just take the notes that they taught me in training. I had to find ways, the way that I learn. How, what's the best way that I can learn? What's the best way that I can retain this information? So I created my own cheat sheets for myself to help myself understand the process better. But it took her investing in me and believing in me to say, you got this, you're not gonna give up. You're going to do this and you got this in stories history. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I, a couple, couple um, pieces I wanted to, to dig into on that story, because it's interesting how the person that you were working next to basically attempted to verbally persecute you, you know, I'll say, yeah. you know, for, asking someone else for assistance. Yeah. But I remember, you know, when, when I was new in this industry, sidebar, not, not relevant to what I'm about to say. <laughs> you know, I actually started as I started in the 
in the uh, claim side, property and casualty claims as a property and casualty claims adjuster when I first started in the industry. And what's interesting about that is I didn't really think about the fact that I was working for an insurance company. That was my first time in the, in the industry. But, you know, coming back, you know, coming back into it the second time around, I was like, man, I was working in the insurance industry. I was an adjuster. Wow. How about that? Um, but you asking, you know, for assistance from someone else. I remember, you know, early in, in, in my career at, at this juncture, I found that there was value to be gained by asking a bunch of different people yeah. questions, you know, not just, you know, the person who is your, your immediate report or who is working right with you, but right. let me go and see what this person's, you know, opinions and thoughts are. Let me, let me see how this person might address this particular situation. What has, has that something, is that something that you started early? Is that something that you've continued to do throughout the course of your career? Oh and Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we can't do this by ourselves, right? Um, there's always someone and Ron Williams, he was the president of um Aetna, and I remember asking him a question in the town hall, and I said, you know, how do you how do you do all of this? You have such a big job, right? And he said, You always learn from two levels above you and two levels below you. Mm. Um, so I, that has stuck with me. It's literally stuck with me. So it's important for me. And even in my current role to have skip levels with all levels of employees, right? Um, it's important for me to network. It's important for me to have conversations. You just never know what you're going to learn. You're never too old to learn and you're never too old to get reprimanded on something that you've done. But at the same token, you're never too old to grow. So it's important for you to understand or for all of us to understand it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to say, I don't know, or could you help me? I sit in a restaurant sometimes and I'm like, um, I've never had this particular dish what is this exactly right because it's a new discovery for me and I'm not afraid to say I don't know what it is I'm not going to just sit here and pretend and eat something that I don't know what it is but sometimes I just don't know right so um, it's important for us to have those type of conversations feel free enough to do it I think unfortunately society has made it a point where if you ask a question people think you're dumb or you don't know or you you know you're not smart enough and that's why you're asking the questions but you have to get to a point where you're confident in yourself that asking a question, you know that you're looking to empower yourself. And I think also, I always look at any role that I'm in as a temporary role, right? And when I say that, it's a means to the next means that I'm going to go to. So when you think about me being a claims analyst, for everyone else that was sitting around me, this was their job. For me, it was just the beginning of my career. Yes. So I started preparing that way. And part you're of that is by- You already had a vision. You already had a goal that you- right. Part, part of that is getting assistance from others that are around you, surrounding yourself with the right circle of people that can help you grow. So that that's what I feel. I still have a circle of individuals now that I feel will help me grow. Just even if I stay in the same role, they will help elevate me in, in a different way. Mm, mm, no, I, I, I love that. I love that. And you're right. I, I don't know is, is one of the most powerful phrases that you can use and uh, more people should use it mm -hmm. as opposed yeah. to thinking they know, you right. know in a lot of cases, right. <laughs> so in that, in that experience, you know, speaking of the, I don't knows, um, you said claims experience manager, that was your first role coming in. Yep. Okay. Is that's the same as a 
adjuster on the help side or what what is that role it, it's very similar to an adjuster coming in um entry level so at when i worked at companies that also had pnc and had claims they were claims adjusters or they at one point we actually had the same title as a claims adjuster like on the pnc side and things like that but it's entry level claims processing claims automobile claim or health claims, disability claims, similar track track record there from both sides of the business. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Point point of clarity, you know. All right. So so let's talk about the the journey, right? So starting entry level to where you are now, because this is a path, this is a path. We're going to create the, we're going to create the the Orlando Ordinary runway <laughs> to success. Okay. We start as the claim experience manager. What's the next, the, what's next? What comes next? What's the next promotion? What's the first promotion we get? So the first promotion I got was a senior. So um, the client that I was on nine months into it, they decided to leave. I didn't know because it was my first time in insurance. I'm telling the group, I'm like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to ride it out. They're going to change their mind. They're not going to leave. They didn't do an RFP. I didn't know what RFP meant at the time either. Um, which is a, a you know proposal that they were going to take their business elsewhere. We might as well say what an RFP is. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> it's a request for proposal. So it's uh, <laughs> when the, the clients, um, so at the time, the company's not here, so I can mention it. So Singular Wireless was my first account that I was ever on and they had merged with Verizon. Mm. So at that time, they decided to go to the carrier that that company had versus staying with our company that Singular had and they're no, no longer around. So um, they decided to take their business elsewhere. So at that time, I was like, oh no, um, they're going to change their mind because we're doing a great job. If I do a harder job, if I do these claims even better, it's a whole team, mind you. And I'm like, if I do it better, they will stay. We can make them stay, right? And so I remember the leaders, they pulled me into the office and they're like, um, no, they're not going to stay, but we have good news for you. You're being requested to go to another department. And I'm like, who's requesting me? They're like, Susan's requesting you. I'm like, why is she requesting me? They're like, well, apparently you had an impact on her. And I'm like, what impact did I have? Like she walks around each evening asking who wants additional work and you always raised your hand and you would take additional files. Um, but I was literally doing it because I wanted the overtime, to be honest with you at that time. I needed the extra money because I took a pay cut to get into this industry. That was another thing I forgot to mention. I took a $5,000, best $5,000 pay cut I've ever had in my life. I took a pay cut because I wanted to get into this industry. But in order to make that up, they were offering overtime. So whenever they came around for extra work, my hand was the first one to go up. They took they took notice of that. And, you know, um, she requested me to go on this other account. This is the thing, that account that they asked me to go on, everyone in the company said it was the worst account. Like, don't, don't go to that account. It's hard. You're going to have a hard time. It's the worst. No one wanted to go to that account. The day they moved me to that account, the individuals that were on the team, they were walking down the hallway. So me being the friendly person I am, hey, hi, I'm new to the account. Could you help me? And they're like, go figure it out yourself. And I was like, what happened? They're like, oh, they requested us all off the account. You're the, you're the one man standing. The manager left, <laughs> the team left, it's just me. So now they're trying to rebuild the account with other examiners, but I'm the first one that gets on the account. So I did what I do best. I created my own SOP, standard operating procedures. So I know how to do my job. But as they started bringing new people to the account, I would just hand them a procedure. I'm like, hey, you want to make your life easier? 
here's a copy of something that I did. This will make your life easier. By the way, we have to do a monthly call with the client and we have to go through our case files. I created a template for us to make it easier based on what they've been asking for. And so here you go. Mind you, I'm a claims manager. So one of the leaders would walk around and he's like, hey, what are you working on? I'm like, oh, I created this. And I, you know, I created this. He's like, do you mind if I take these? Sure. You can have them. I don't, it's no big deal. It's not proprietary, you know? I so he it. took them and it. he would, he would bring them into the leadership meetings the next day. And he would present the things that I've done. He gave me credit, but he would present that as a, oh, look at this, like the SOPs. Well, the client ended up renewing. Um, and we end up saving the client and it was a success story. So then they're like, okay, she has a little bit of talent. So let's take her and move her onto a different team to be a subject matter expert. So I was moved to a different team just to kind of review similar work, what's going on with this team. I think I was the only claims manager or claims, they have different titles. So claims manager, claims adjuster, we had different titles through the year, but I was the only person at that level in the meeting. Everybody else was a team lead or above. Um, but I think I, I took it serious because my bosses are asking me to do research on this. So I took it like a term paper. Right. So you're I, because you're, you're, like, you're creating, you know, these, these processes. Well, I thought that's what you do when you get a job, you know, you try to do the best job you can. Right. So Absolutely. I, um, then similar for that account, I decided to do the same thing and, the leader wouldn't answer any of my questions, but you know, I still did my report, submitted it. And they were like, oh, Friday was her last day. By the way, we want to offer you the team lead role. You did such a good job on that project. Um, that was the second account that people said, please never go to that account. So the moral of the story is don't listen to people. Right. <laughs> Someone tells you something is hard unless you try it yourself. That's right. Do not listen to them because they can stop you from getting your victory by scaring you on making that choice. So if people saying, oh, insurance is too hard, don't listen to them unless you try it yourself, right? There's so many different aspects in insurance. There's so many different places in insurance you can go. If I would have been afraid to go to those accounts, which I have someone that I know that did not want to go, and they never got to the level of their career that I did, right? I think it shaped me to be stronger and learn differently and then, so that was my third promotion, right? Now I'm a team leader. Yeah. That account now renews. They call me the cleanup kid. They're like, okay, she definitely has a knack. So what we're going to do now, we're going to send her out and do finalist presentations. So she's going to go and talk to the brokers. She's going to be in the boardrooms. And so they asked me to go to my first one. They told me one thing though, do not tell anyone, this is your first time going to do a finalist presentation. Gotcha. So I'm excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting ready to do a finalist presentation. I run to one of the leaders that was always doing them. Her door was open. I heard her on the phone. I stood outside, wasn't eavesdropping. I just stood outside and I heard her saying, who sent Orlanda to do a finalist presentation? She's never done one before. How dare they send her? What is she, what are you guys thinking? She's never done this before. And I'm like, wow. backing out slowly. Wow. <laughs> but you know what that did? It, it gave me passion. Absolutely. I studied every piece of that company. I could tell you the artwork and where it came from in that building. Wow. So when I went to that finalist presentation, we were in the elevator, there's artwork. Oh, that was from the elementary school that won last year, the second graders that won. And this year I see that the third graders from X and X school are that small talk on the way from the front door to the conference room, the boardroom. They're like, wow, how'd you know that? The people that I was, I was with, I was like, well, did you check out their philanthropy 
and their diversity and see how that aligns to our company and what they're doing. Light companies like to work with light companies. So mm -hmm. I could tell you everything about them. I could tell you all of their top news that they had. I read everything. I did. I treated it like a term paper. The After the presentation, the gentleman that was in charge of sales, he's like, could you do a training for another office? And I'm going to fly you out to do a training with that office on how to do a finalist presentation after my very first one. Wow. But again, it shows you if I would have crumbled based on what I heard and I didn't step forward to say, hey, I'm going to try this regardless and prove right. her wrong. Again, who knows where my story would have ended because starting to do those finalist presentations gave me the ability to look at the business differently. I'm now engaging with agents. I'm now engaging with clients. I'm sitting in boardrooms, having conversations. I'm helping build the business to the point where one of the um, brokers took um, a liking to me because I was able to sell business. And when the business came to my account, it was able to stay with our account. So servicing your client, right? He then said, no matter what region the clients are coming from, I want them to go to Alanda's department. So at that time we had various regions. So that created my own department. All of his business that we were winning together, doing finalist presentations and winning, that created the department. So you're a team lead at this point. <laughs> I'm a team lead at this point. So and now a department is being created around the work that you've done because of course your gifts will make room. You know, yeah. you've shown yourself, you've, you, you've continued to move forward on your vision, your objective. Case in point, going all the way back to your, your entry into that company, your vision was career focused. Right. I think that's something that is crucial to highlight. You weren't just saying, this is a job. I'm just right. here for the job. You were saying, hey, look, how can I come into this organization? How can I make an impact? How can I keep moving my career forward? Okay. All right. Now we're back. The, the department has been created. So you. the department's been created, I think for two reasons. One, they felt that they did not want to lose me. So they literally took someone else's department, split it in half and gave me half of their department. Mm. It, it didn't go over very well with others because there are others that were there longer than me. There are others that are like, why her? You know, but I was generating leads and brokers were wanting to do business with me and my teams. And we were being creative in our offerings and the way that we did the work and we were servicing them. So that then that I became a manager um, at that point, manager slash director, because they changed the title midway. So manager slash director. So I now and without them, if you had a haters, you're not doing it right. You got to have a feeling. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. But again, one of the things that I realize in life, you can't dwell on haters or right. things for very long because they will suffocate you. That's right. So if you're doing a good job and you know you're doing a good job, just keep that train going forward. Because if you allow other people to get into your head, other people to break your morale, other people to say you're not good enough, because it will play mind tricks, especially for people of color, because we have all that other tax on us, right? You know, I have the tax of not even being American, right? Having, speaking a whole nother language, um, being brought up poor that I didn't know I was poor, right? I have all this other tax and then thinking, am I good enough for, I'm, I'm the only person of color in the room. So you have all of this stuff coming at you. And then you, on top of that, you have haters that look like the color of the rainbow, right? Right. You can't fester in that. You have to shake yourself out of that. You have to surround yourself with people that can help you get out of that 
Because if not, it will eat you up and you will crumble inside. So for me, I use it as my motivation. It, it was my drive to continue going. I will, don't get me wrong. Did I cry along the way? Probably I shed a tear here and there for a day, but I don't let two days go <laughs> with me not getting back up and running again. That's it. That's it. I, I, I love this journey. I love, I love how this is, this is flowing. And it's, it's very evident in that, that you weren't, you weren't distracted. You weren't distracted by by anyone trying to influence your direction, whether it be, hey, why why didn't you ask me this question or you know figure it out? You didn't say, oh man, I got to figure it out by my own. Oh, you didn't bl you're not blaming anybody else. You're saying, hey, look, you know, I, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. I'm going to do what I need to do to keep yeah. this thing moving. So now you're a director. You have yeah. your own department. Yep. You know, starting from an entry level <laughs> claims experience manager level one. Now you're yep. a senior director of a department. Yep. Okay, now where where we go next? Talk, talk to so me. So I'm still running my department. Um, in between that, even before I became a department, I told you I was a cleanup kid. They were flying me. I'm in Florida, so they were flying me from Fort Lauderdale to Tampa because we had a client there that wasn't doing well. They're like, we need to turn it around. I was part of the team that helped turn that client around. So kind of got the director. So now I'm still doing finalist presentations. I'm still working with various brokers. Um, I go into a meeting um, with a large client. I'll just say it like that, a large jumbo client. But the day before I was in Boston with a different client and then they brought me into this meeting. During the meeting, one of the leaders in the meeting that looked like me, she kind of came over. She was from the client um, that we were trying to sell, win the business from. And she whispered in my ear, she's like, what's your background? She goes, who do I need to talk to in here to make sure that you're aligned to our team? in the meeting. So I told her, she comes back and she's like, what's your degree? What's this? And she's like, asking me all these questions. It was just the weirdest thing, right? And she's asking me all these questions and she's whispering back to her boss and saying, okay, well, we're agree to do the business with you, but there's only a couple of stipulations. She has to be our dedicated leader. Wow. Our dedicated director to lead this, um, the organization. The, the, the problem was the day before, I got a similar request from the client I went to in Boston <laughs> mm. that they wanted the exact same thing. However, based on the size of the two accounts, the one that was there that particular day, I then became the dedicated leader and started a claims team for that jumbo account um, and build out an entire team from implementation all the way through the actual existence of the client um, moving forward. And they, that client, that company still has that client till today. Wow. So, but yeah. remember the story, right? So remember the day before I got a similar request yes. from a different client in Boston. Fast forward, where, so where did I go from there? Okay. From there, I hit a glass ceiling. I was a director for seven years. Um, I felt like there is nowhere else up to go at that particular time at the company I was at. There are two leaders above me. They were amazing um, leaders. And I'm like, they're not going to go anywhere. And above them was one person. So I decided one of the leaders that initially promoted me um, to the team lead role, she was at a different company. She's been asking me to have lunch for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Never have lunch with anyone if you're not really have a real conversation, right? That conversation. <laughs> I, I, she tried to have lunch with me for almost two years and I never had lunch with her. Um, I finally had lunch, but mentally I was ready for lunch because I already knew what lunch was about. So yeah. she talked to me about an organization she was at and she was interested in me moving to that organization. Um, 
I had nothing to lose. So when they called me and tried to negotiate with me, I just gave them a number. And then when they called me again, I gave them a higher number. And she called me, she's like, what are you doing? She's like, I got you your foot in the door. They're like excited about having you. They're at their top number and you're asking for another number. I said, well, I have a job. <laughs> but right. I'm, not looking, I'm not looking for a job. I have a job. So, um, but hey, I'm willing to do it. But under one stipulation, there's a client that's going over there. I don't want that client because I heard that client's leaving and going to that company. I don't want that client. Remember my own advice, never be fearful of what people tell you about a client. She's like, no, no, they're not going to give you that client if you come over here. Sure enough, they called me five minutes later, gave me the offer. I relocated my family three hours away. Now I'm a senior director. Um, four months into it, they give me that client. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the funny story. So remember that Boston meeting I told you about? The broker from that meeting recommended me to the client. Of course. They said... I was so well prepared for that particular meeting that they told the client if they can get me to come to that company and lead them through their implementation, they would be in good hands. Wow. So that's how I ended up getting the client. It wasn't bad. It was, it was, it was a lot of work, but it wasn't bad, as bad as people made it out to be. Um, I didn't even know who from the broker, because there were five of them in the room when they went to these finalist meetings, I didn't even know who the person was. The client told me that I was recommended by the broker. Wow. Um, and that's how I found out. But the funny part about that particular brokerage meeting, they their proposal had, here's our current state, we're merging with another company, here's their state, and here's what we think our future state should be. I created a new column and I said, here's my thoughts on all of these three and where you might want to go, right? And during the finalist meeting, they would bring something up. And I was like, oh, that's section 7.125. And they're like, how do you know that? I said, I, I would, because I would study on the plane. I pulled out my little docket. Oh, yeah, it's right here. I have it highlighted here. This is the topic. They're like, you read the proposal? I said, isn't that why you sent it to us? Yeah, right. Yeah. But they're like, you know how many people came in here and didn't read the proposal? Preparation is key, right? You want to make sure when you walk into these meetings, because if I wasn't prepared in Boston, how many years later would they have recommended me to a client that allowed me to get yet a promotion to be in the space that I was at? Look at that. Wow. Instant credibility, right? Just based on something you did previously. Mm -hmm. Love it. So, so you, you, you work things out, you know, it, it, it ended up being a, you know, a, a smoother transition with that client mm -hmm. than you thought, obviously probably not as smooth for someone who had not been as prepared as you were, you had already prepared for this even before it came across your desk. So you were ready by the time it came back around. And, and likely, even when you were at the previous company, if you had been working with that company, you knew some of the things that you would have been dealing with anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it, it was then like some insight to say, okay, let me prepare for this if I'm going to be dealing with this. Yeah. And this was my largest client ever that I had. So wow. I'm looking at implementing an entire call center, implementing from system systems all the way on up. Um, everyone had to get certified by the client before they can pick up their first phone call yes. um, and test it. And we, we made our go live. Um, and then you're like, what happened? So after that, and that's when I left the company, the prior company that I was at, someone called me and said, hey, one of those two ladies that were above you, one of them just left you should apply. And I'm like, I'm not going to apply. 
I'm I'm not gonna apply because if I would have stayed, they would have never promoted me. Because mm. I'm in my head now, right? Because you know that's what we do. We get in our head and we're like, ah, I'm already here. Why am I gonna go back there? But I was like, for kicks and giggles, I'm going to apply. Well, guess what happened? They hired me back. They hired you back, right? <laughs> so now I'm back. So now I'm um have that senior director role and I'm back there and I'm working and you know, things are back to normal. I felt like I never left. Sometimes you leave a company and come back and it's like a time warp. Um, yeah. I felt like things were, I just got right back in the groove of things. Um, and I was, you know, happy to be there. And then we got acquired. Um, so we got acquired. After we got acquired, again, just like you and I met, we started a conversation, had a good conversation. Same thing when we got acquired. I didn't know who the new people are. I just knew that these are people that don't know anyone so I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to give them the run of the company. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. We need to make this a successful transition. That's what we do. And six months when they started to look at titles, they didn't have the senior director title. So the senior directors could either go to a director level or become a regional vice president. So everyone had to reapply for their job with the exception of me, where they indicated to me that I've been proving myself from the time they got here and that I would be moving into that role. So then that's how I became a regional vice president. Boom. The, the yeah. ascension news. So I did, that's not what I was going for. I was just, you know, just basically doing my job and wanting to do the right thing. Right. And then that's what people don't realize sometimes. Sometimes you just do things just because that's what you need to do versus doing it for a purpose or a reason or look at me. Everything yeah. has a reason of why you do it. And if you just go to work to do a good job, sometimes people will rec recognize that and you will move and be promoted based on that. Absolutely. Whole wholeheartedly believe that. So, so now you were at this, you're in the RVP role at this yes. company. Yes. But you, you moved again. Yes. But before I moved, yeah. <laughs> uh, right before I moved, I also became an AVP. So okay. All right. um, a couple of, probably eight months before I moved, um, they decided to consolidate all of the claim shops from, I had the Florida region they decided to consolidate all of the claim shop and they wanted to pick one leader to do all of the short-term disability absence um, FMLA type claim shops together. So all of them. So my team went from like 150 to close to 600 overnight because um, they just selected me to be that leader and they redeployed my peers to other projects or other teams. So I got that initial um, thing. So now I'm doing that job and I'm just good. I won the CEO award. Where is it? Here it is. So nice. I won the, the chairman's award um, that year. Um, and I was, you know, super excited. I felt like I was doing a good job, you know, and everything there's opportunities, you know, um, challenges, but I still felt that I was moving the claims team in a good direction remember when I told you I started doing those finalist presentations and mm -hmm. that broker that took a liking to me and gave me all of that work? Let's just say um, my name got dropped in a hat at the current company that I'm at. Yeah. And several leaders got my name as a potential person that they can have in this VP role. So that's how the conversation started. Um, I could say I wasn't really looking, but prior to that, I have a friend at a different insurance company that had reached out to me to say, hey, my company's looking for someone. I think you'll be a great asset. Um, it wasn't a good fit for me. I, and personality-wise, in my opinion, I just didn't feel like the direction I want to go with with that particular individual. Um, I just didn't feel like it was a good fit. So I, I, never, I just did it as a courtesy to my friend, but it also opened that door to, hey, 
just interviewed. Why not have a conversation, see where it goes. So I had the conversation here. So it worked itself out. Um, the people that I met with, I felt that it was a good cultural fit for me. And that's how I now am the VP. Um, I've been here a year and 10 months, uh, going on two years in January, and I absolutely love it. It's an amazing company to work for. I tell you, Orlando, listen, I already had a lot of, a lot of respect for you and, you know, and, and, and what you've done and, and what you bring to the industry. But I mean, just learning about your journey and hearing the, the, the moves that you've been able to make by essentially creating solutions to problems that people sometimes didn't even know existed, you know, is, is just, just phenomenal. I, I, it's just, it's just amazing. And, uh, you're, you're brilliant. I'm just, I just gotta let you know. Aww, no. listen, <laughs> it, 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 listen, no one does anything by themselves. I have an amazing team, right? Yeah. I've had amazing mentors. I've had amazing leaders. I not, nothing happens by happenstance. I think you have to though, when you're surrounded by those types of individuals, what do you what do you gain, right? How do you show that respect to the leaders that are helping doing that hard job, the frontline staff? I, I would be nowhere without those frontline entry-level individuals that's yes. right now learning how to process the claim, leaders that are working with them, our training department, so many different areas. And you talked about in uh, insurance, there's so many different things. So let's let's talk about that for a second, right? So you have actuaries, you have in individual underwriters, yeah. you have attorneys, you have, we have an entire dental company um, under Sun Life called Dental Quest. When I think about all of the different parts and parcels in our dental organization, right? Um, we have stop loss um, business here. You think about all of the different levels from entry level all the way up in that business as well. So there's so many different pieces and parcels. And I think the other thing with the company that I'm at right now, I want to share the joy. And that's why I think I do a lot of what I do of what a great culture this company is. And I think people feel that there's only a certain amount of companies that do insurance. There's hundreds of companies out there in the insurance field where you can spread your wings or just get an opportunity within those companies. I hear from people all the time. I am always getting resumes on my LinkedIn profile. I get people that reach out to me all the time. Could I meet with you? Could we have a conversation? I wanna hear more about your journey. You know what I do? I have my admin schedule those meetings. I don't mind talking to someone to help them with their journey. But the important thing is if they send my resume, I get it into my HR team to make sure that they realize that. I've talked to people that have worked in the insurance industry for 20 years at the same company, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. They're the fear of doing something different. They want more, but fear is holding them back, right? So how do you overcome that fear to move forward? I think at three years old, watching those pants float away in the ocean. That's the moment I gave up fear. I think at sixth grade, when I talked about my bullies, I relinquished fear at that point. So I think at different junction of your life, you have to give up that fear. Now, do I get nervous when I go on the call sometimes or if I'm going to present? I'm human, right? I'm not perfect. I make mistakes just like anyone else. But I think what drives you, you have to figure out what drives you and what's going to move you forward and dig in to find out. I would go on companies' website when I would do those finalist presentations. What kind of roles do they have here? So when I would relay it to a real position that they have, 
If you have, you know, so look at these insurance companies, find out what type of roles that they have. Look at the broker community, what type of roles do they have in the broker community? There's other ways without having a license to still be in insurance and be very impactful in insurance and make a difference. Absolutely. I mean, shoot, you, you, you didn't talk about like marketing and IT and all different kinds of exactly. things that add some value because, you know, one of, one of the things that you mentioned is um, just the, the culture of the organizations that you've been in and the culture is being very supportive. I, I think that's so critical, you know, in, in any role. Um, how important has the right organizational culture been in your success, in your journey? I think it's amazing. It has been very successful, but I can tell you when I didn't feel it, I found it. Yeah. Right. So you're you definitely know, the coffee bean. You, you, you are definitely the coffee. You know, that co the story, of that coffee bean. What is the story of the coffee bean? The story, okay. So there's a, <laughs> There's a father um, who is a chef. One day his daughter comes in. She just got a new job and she's really frustrated. She says to the father, dad, I don't know if I can do this. I had a really rough day and I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can last. So he tells her to go to the cabinet and to take out an egg, a potato and a coffee bean and put on three pots of boiling water. So she puts the pots of boiling water on. He drops the egg in one. He drops the potato in one and he drops the coffee beans in the other. After a while, he pulls out the egg. He says, all right, now open up the egg. He said, you see this, this egg, it was, it was hard on the outside and it was soft on the inside, but now it's hard on the outside and it's hard on the inside. Mm. He said, okay, now let's go to the potato. He pulls out the potato. See now this potato, when we dropped this potato in the water initially, it was hard on the outside. But that hot water made that made that hard potato. Now it's all mushy and it's soft, and it can it can just be mashed all up. Now I want you to look at the pot of water with the coffee beans. As you notice, the water has just turned into coffee. Wherever we are in our life, we can let that environment change us, or we can change that environment. So I'm just saying that you're the coffee. Oh, man. I I love that story. I'm going to start using. It. I'm stealing <laughs> that story. No, I no, I appreciate that because. I, have I always been, you know, it sounds all good and positive, yeah. but there's, there's some tough time through that journey, right? Absolutely. It's a, Absolutely. It's some tough times, you know, sitting in certain things, getting ratings that you're like, how am I rated this in my, I'm doing 10 times the amount of work that I see my peers are doing, or I'm doing my day job. And plus I'm representing the company differently as well volunteering, um, you know, being a spokesperson, bringing in applicants, bringing diverse talent. And then you're like, wait, wait, wait why am I doing all this extra if I'm not going to get any credit? But then you have to realize why you're really doing it. I wasn't really doing it for them. I'm doing it to help somebody else out. Right. Mm -hmm. So mentoring people, um, all that other tax that sometimes we have to take on, uh, on top of our day job, you do it because you want to do it, not necessarily because you're doing it for them. So I think once you start to get that realization, it is, it is what it is, right? People joke and like you joked about my selfies. Like I, I just think it's important. It's just one of those things. A couple of years ago, I had a health scare and it brought everything into perspective. Yeah. Like I, I was never in pictures with my kids. I was always having, taking pictures of them. So mm -hmm. I decided to be in the pictures with my kids. But when you take a selfie, everyone smiles. That's right. In that moment, no matter what problem you have, they're gone in that moment. So it just became my thing, right? So I'll go to office and I'll take selfies. I'll go to a conference, I take selfies. I like to see the smile and the that that moment, no matter what stress you have, when you're smiling, it dissipates, right? So that that's just my thing now. <laughs> no, listen, listen, no, it, it, it's phenomenal. And, and I, 
and I and I say it, you know, jokingly, but I think it's it's great because it's 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 kind of how we met, right? Yeah. It's you know, it's Florida <laughs> with Naya, you know, and 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 helping to you know kind of take that that chapter to to new heights and with the boys and girls club is like all of that comes from you know your energy, your vibration, you putting that you putting that out there and creating those smiles in the rooms yeah. that you go into. You no, know, it, no, I appreciate it. What keeps you motivated now? Like, how are you still, what's, what, what keeps you, you know, still, still going? So I think my faith, um, you know, number one, I think I have a strong um, religious belief in just the way you should treat people, right? And the things that you want out of life. I think, you know, having individuals like yourself that we can talk and have good conversations of where we want this industry to go in the future. Um, I think being part of NIA is a, one of them, but NIA Florida, especially, I'm on the board and I can tell you instantaneously, it's like family uh, when I joined the board of NIA Florida. So um, in addition to that, I'm on the Boys and Girls Club, an executive um, board member on the Boys and Girls Club again nothing happens by chance, right? Um, I was just doing volunteerism, helping the, helping our company get more involved in the community. The Boys and Girls Club took notice of that, asked me to be on their board. And then the following year, they asked me to be on their executive board. So I get a chance to impact the lives of children, right? And I get the chance to impact. Sometimes I wonder, and I sit back and I'm like, why am I doing all this extra stuff? Like, on top of my day job, I have two kids, I have a husband. Yeah, I got a lot going on. But then I find all this extra stuff to do. Like, what am I really doing it for? And then I take a step back and I'm like, who am I really impacting, right? What what legacy do I want to leave behind? What do I want people to say if something happens to me? Like, what what piece of me could I leave with someone, right? Where's that little three-year-old girl that was afraid to come to America? Like, what? Where, how could I influence some of that and give some of this energy back to the universe that has given me so much so I think that's what motivates me um to continue going and pushing uh, but I'm also very competitive so I like to I like challenges so when things present themselves my team jokes around all the time and say I'm a chess player I like to move chess pieces around I think that motivates me just solving puzzles solving opportunities or putting things together and seeing the outcome, sitting back and being able to see where this is going to go. So we might have a difficult situation right now, but I can see the sun um, at the end of that tunnel and I want to get to that sun. So I think that's what motivates me. I'm always looking for the sun. I love it. I love it. Couple, couple other questions as we start to kind of round the corner here. Yeah. Um, when all the pieces of the puzzle are put in place and the, and the, the picture is complete. What does that picture look like? That big picture look like for Orlando Ordinary? So for me, I think eventually I will have my second career, right? <laughs> right? Where I could spend more time. Um, I, I forgot to mention, I was an adjunct professor once upon a time too. <laughs> Yeah. So I, yeah, just on the side, you know, I, I did, uh, I was an adjunct professor, but at that time I was able to teach individuals that were um, ESOL. Um, English is a second language for them. So I was able to teach people, you know, the culture, how to read a menu, um, how to go into a board meeting or how to go into meetings with their bosses and things like that. I want to be able to give back. So I see myself as my second career eventually just teaching um, or motivating or being, you know, a motivational speaker to kind of help motivate people along their journey. So I think when corporate America is done with me, I think I will still 
try to pour into individuals either at church or volunteering or pouring into them by mentoring them. So, um, yeah, so that that's how my puzzle looks when I'm done with it. I love it. I, I just learned something because I didn't know that you could say easel. I've seen yes. ESL. <laughs> and I now I'm, now when I see it, I say, oh yeah, that's easel. That's, oh, trust me. If you, <laughs> if you if you speak a different language, you definitely knew what ESL was. <laughs> right. was easel. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I've seen it on paper, I'm like, oh, ESL, okay, all right. And then I have to figure out what does that mean? Oh, ESL. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, um, okay. La last question. Well, maybe, maybe next, next to last question. How is working in this industry? How's working in this industry? You think changed you or, or impacted you as a person? I think, you know, first of all, as a case manager, you hear a lot, right? You have people dealing with cancer. You have people with deaths in their family. You have individuals that are out for medical leave because of a care of a family member. Um, it humbles you, right? Because you have to come to work every day and show up for someone else, right? So no matter what problems you have, you got to put those on the side because that caller on the other line needs you, right? So I think that humbles you in the very beginning to not think about self, but think of others. So I think that's one piece of it. I think also as I've done my career journey, I've I've had to harden myself each and every way. And when I mean harden myself, just motivate myself. Sometimes you have to be a self-motivator in order to get there. Um, and you know, my sisters joke with me sometimes. I told you there's eight of us. Um, they joke with me sometimes and they're like, we were all in the same house, but you're different. Wow. How did you turn out? Not that they're not successful. They're all successful. However, I'm different, right? My drive, my motivation, my want to get the family together and kumbaya and always wanting to look for ways of connecting people, um, connecting the dots they don't understand that. But I think part of that is my career journey and my path in this industry that made me always want to connect the dots um, to find that piece of the puzzle. So yeah. I think that has helped me throughout this industry. And and, and eight, uh, eight siblings, that's, you know, God bless your parents. <laughs> that's serious. That's, that's serious. Absolutely. So last question, someone who is coming in, you know, to the industry, you know, they're, they're on the fence. Uh, or, or even, you know, maybe someone has introduced it and they, they, they think there's some interest there, or maybe they're transitioning from another career. I mean, you, you came from, you know, HR staffing, mm -hmm. you know, you had experience in, in mortgage, in the mortgage industry. What would you give that person? What kind of advice or guidance would you give that person um, as far as what to expect, you know, coming into this career? Yeah. So a couple of things. One, don't beat yourself up, right? If you don't get it right away, because like I got help very early on. So don't beat yourself up. Number two, give yourself grace. Give yourself time. Um, give yourself a good six to eight months till it really clicks in and you really start to understand it. And it's like, oh, that's what they meant by that. And you get it. Don't allow anyone to deter your dreams, right? And your situation today is not your situation tomorrow. So don't look at where you're coming into the industry as where you're going to stay in the industry. If you have drive and you have passion and you want to move forward in this industry, there is a lot of room and movement in this industry that you can have. So don't think of it as I'm going to come in. I told you I took a $5,000 pay cut to take an entry level job. Yeah. That's $5,000 of my life. 
but I came in with a goal and I knew that's not where I was going to stay. So think of it that way. You have to find an entry point. Your entry point may be starting where you don't think you need to start, but that starting point, if you have the right drive, you will get to where you need to go. And people will recognize that because you're going to come in already with a leader mindset to get to the next level of your career. Mm. Alenda on there. Thank you so much for sharing this time, sharing this space. And, uh, and, and just, there, there's a lot of takeaways in this conversation. So I, I'll say just for, for adding value, you know, to, to the audience here. And, uh, there's someone who is listening that's, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna have some shifts, you know, based on the things that you said. I, I mean, it, it's, it's a powerful story. I didn't know every, every element of, of your journey, but, um, uh, but I love it. So I, I want to say thank you again. Now people do reach out to you. Yes. On LinkedIn. Yes. If someone does want to reach out, they want to send that resume. You yeah. know, they want, to, they want to just ask a question. Maybe it's just someone who, you know, who who's just, you know, trying trying to figure it out and, and and maybe they're they're dealing with some some tough things in their own career path and want to know maybe what did someone else do to get through it? How can how can folks reach out to you? How can they get in contact with you? Um, it's Erlanda, I-R-L-A-N-D-E, um, Audineer on LinkedIn, um, A-U-D-E-N-I-E-R. Um, you can just send me a message on LinkedIn. I respond to every message. I don't think I've ever not responded to a message. Um, if it's a meeting that we need to have, I will find time. People find time for things that are important to me. And I think you all are important to me. So I will find time um, for that. So um, feel free to reach out if you want to send my, your resume, you're interested in coming on board at Sun Life. We're happy to take a look at that as well. You can always check us out at sunlife.com. Um, so, .com, sorry. <laughs> Sunlight. Hey, look, great energy. You know, everybody at Sunlight, just just good people. I still got to get that appointment with Sunlight, by the way. Yes, but, yes. Yeah. Don't <laughs> worry. I'm working, I'm working on that for you. Don't worry. But, uh, no, but uh, but but thank you again uh, for, for taking this time. And, and for those who are listening to this conversation, perhaps you heard something that inspired you that, you know, helped you to find your intrinsic motivation to continue on your journey and to just refocus, reposition, be that coffee bean, add value wherever you are. And look, you don't have to listen to Orlando. You don't have to. You can still have an amazing career, but maybe you heard something that made you think you should get a license too. Right. Until next time, peace.